Hello, fellow travelers. Welcome to episode 16 of the podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh, if this is uh, more than 16 because you've listened to some of the interviews and the and the time the episodes that I do with Jim, uh, so that's more than we actually have more than 16 things out there. But there's 16 episodes where Paul myself talks. Um, so welcome, uh, whether this is your first time or, or the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th time. Uh, so excited that you're listening. It's always an honor. Uh, I hope that you are encouraged, that you find a new inspiration, and um, just continue to be uh, encouraged to follow Jesus deeper and further into a relationship with him. We're going to continue talking about Matthew 13. Talked about that a little bit last week uh, on Easter, about brand flakes and about the uh, the condition of the heart. Last week, he talked about a, a hard heart. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about the path, that, not the path, but the shallow um, the shallow ground, what a, what a shallow heart might look like and what that might mean. Uh, so we're going to jump into that. You don't have to necessarily have listened to the other episode uh, to catch on, but I uh, do recommend listening to it because it is the first of the series and it just kind of sets the tone for what we're going to be talking about. Um, also, all of the rest of the series are going to be named after a serial. Um, just kind of a fun thing when thinking about names. Um, this week is going to be Fruity Pebbles. And, uh, and not to give too much away, but the reason I think that Fruity Pebbles works really well, last week it was Brand Flakes because it was so hard, the hard ground, the hard heart. Uh, Fruity Pebbles works really well because it is something that when I eat cereal, it seems like a really good idea at the first, but then when it gets to the soggy end mess, that's not so great. So um, that gives you a little insight into where we're headed with today's uh, podcast uh, message, but uh, glad you're here. Uh, and we're going to jump in. So when thinking about the condition of our hearts, uh, just to kind of do a quick recap of what we're talking about here in Matthew 13, Jesus gives a parable about uh, a person who goes and throws seed out. Um, and it's a little wasteful uh, from the if you're looking at it from the standpoint of a farmer because he throws seed um, where it lands in many different places, many different soils, and that is reflected in then by what the seed produces. And so the first soil uh, that it lands on is actually not really soil at all. It's a, it's a path and it's something that's been walked upon and beaten down and it's very, very hard. And because it's hard, the, the seed is not able to have any purchase whatsoever. And uh, in the parable, it talks about how birds come and snatch it away. And, and Jesus explains that that is the word that lands in a heart that finds no room to burrow in and grow and produce. Uh, and he likens that to Satan coming and taking away the word. I talked a little bit last week, so I'm not going to rehash that whole thing, but um, it's not just talking about believers or non-believers. Like it's, it's not just talking about that. I think, I believe that it's a little deeper than that. I think it can be. Uh, like if you don't have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then it's very, it's, it's very real and true that the, the seed, the word can't produce anything in your life. It won't produce like uh, the the fruit unless Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Secondly, if you're a believer um, 
and you allow things to harden your heart, then then you also can be experiencing that where where you God is wants to teach you things. He wants his word to live in you and to produce the fruit. And and that's his goal and that's his hope for you. That's his desire for you. But if your heart is heart, if your heart is hard, then then that doesn't happen. So that was that was last week. Uh, this week we're going to talk about the shallow soil. And so this is the idea of some seeds that fall in a soil um, that's too shallow for there to be roots. So you can imagine that when basically what happens in the parable is that the the seed uh, starts to grow, but as it grows, it's not able to really put roots roots deep down into the ground. And so when the sun comes out and it begins to scorch it, uh, it burns, basically it kills the plant because it can't stand the heat. And so Jesus talks about this is someone who hears the word with much joy, but then uh, when circumstances come along or when uh, there's anything that's challenging that comes along, then they no longer find it, uh, that it's joyful or that it's true. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, about that today. I think the first idea I want to address here is the idea of what does this look like for um, a believer. And I think there's a couple of different ways to go about that. Uh, the first thing I want to say is one thing I didn't mention last week, and I think it's 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 helpful to bring back and think about for all the conditions of our hearts, for all the, the whether or not we are ready to receive uh, Jesus's word and, and whether or not it's going to produce fruit in us. And one of those, one of those, the things I didn't mention, which I going to mention this week and, and point back to, to last week as well. But one of those things is sin. And so one of the things that causes us to harden our hearts um, is when we give into temptation and when we have sin. And sin can definitely harden our hearts, but it also can be the, the reason why we don't have we don't develop good roots. We don't develop strong roots. We don't allow the seed to, to go deep into our soil because when we are living uh, in sin, when we're living in opposite opposition to what God wants, then it's very hard for that fruit to be produced. If there's anything that gets produced, it's usually weak and it's easily withered. And, and so that's one thing that we have to think about. And I didn't mention that last week, and I wanted to, to uh, do that at the top of this one just because I think it's very important to remember that one of the things that keeps us from hearing God's word, from hearing his voice speak to our hearts, is when we live in sin. And when we live in sin, we hold on to sin. Um, it can't produce the fruit that God wants it to produce. So that is, that's another side of both are uh, both having a hard heart uh, when you just can't hear God's word. You can't. It won't let you. Won't let it in. Uh, sometimes it's just your your sin is just blocking it because you're you're so convinced of that. And one of the things that um, I think both the hard heart and the shallow roots have in common is the question that um, Eve is asked in the garden. And the question is, does God? really have our best intentions with his rules and his laws and and how life should be with his love but if you love him then you will you'll obey that's what Jesus says he says if you love me then you'll obey my commands and so there very much is a um 
implicit uh, and explicit command from Jesus that if you love him, you're going to follow his rules, his commands, his his teaching. And one of the questions, so when the question that that the serpent really asked Eve is, do you do you believe God is for you? Because he says, uh, so Eve says, you know, I, I can't eat the fruit of that tree and um, or I'll die. Um, I can't even touch it or I'll die. And the serpent comes and is like, oh, that's not true. That's not true. God's just keeping a good thing from you. He's keeping something that's really good and he's keeping it from you because he basically wants it for himself. Um, and so that's that's what he tells Eve. And so Eve um, has to make the decision. Um, and, and Adam's standing there too. They both have to make this decision. Is, do I trust God that God has um, our, the best interests, that God has the the best? And so if God says, don't eat of this fruit, do I trust him? And the and Adam and Eve obviously decided they didn't. And they the fruit they produced, the fruit they bore was death. Um, now they didn't die immediately. Like they wasn't dramatic enough in the idea of like they 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 took a bite and then they uh, fell over as though they had eaten some kind of poisoned apple from a fairy tale. But what they did is they they brought death into the relationship between God and man, and that death is separation. So they their eyes became became open. They knew good and evil. They knew that they were uh, without clothes. They knew that they were that they had sinned. And so they had to, when they heard God God walking in the garden, they had to hide. They'd never had to hide before. They never had been separated. There was nothing between their relationship between them and God. Um, it was fully open. It was fully uh, aware there that that there was nothing to hide. And then and now that there is this sin, there's this death that has come to the relationship. The relationship is now broken. And I think that question is still something that's asked of that we ask about God today. So sometimes when we hear God's word, when God's when God gives us a message and he speaks to our hearts, we receive it with great joy. But then temptation comes along. You know, did did God really say? Does God really mean that uh you know, I I shouldn't love money, that that I shouldn't uh, that I shouldn't covet, that I um, that I shouldn't call my brother fool. Does he does he really does he really mean that? Is that what it really means? Do I do I is that just a suggestion or can I can I get away with um, not um, following that? And so we we hear um, God's word and temptation comes along and it snatches it away. And so we had great joy. But now we begin to think about the things we miss out on, you know, uh, the the idea that Paul talks about is this this um, the idea of whatever. There's people who just eat, um, drink, and they they be merry because they're all about the pleasure of this life. And and if there is no God, then sure, that's that's actually hedonism is is 
a, a logical conclusion to get the most pleasure you can out of this world, to do whatever is the best good for you in in the terms of selfishness and the terms of not caring if you hurt other people. And that's that's what sin tells us. Sin says that the temptations says that if we don't do that thing, whatever it might be, then it's because and that we're missing out on something that we are not that we're denying ourselves something that we're denying ourselves pleasure and god says no sin sin is is what brings death and so when you deny yourself and when you say yes to god you're actually bringing life but but we our hearts are deceitful. That's what Jeremiah says. Our, our hearts are deceitful above all else. And so we begin to think about the temptation and we begin to think about, oh, well, if I don't do this, then I'm going to miss out. I'm, I'm going to miss out on some pleasure. I'm going to miss out on some some things that are good. And and I think it's important to note that, that sin is attractive. If it wasn't attractive, it wouldn't be tempting. Like if sin was like, oh, I think I'm going to cause myself a bunch of pain at, at, at the initial outburst, because we know that once sin gives birth, it brings death, which is a bunch of pain. But at the beginning, it looks so good. It looks so tasty. It looks so pleasurable. And so it's it is tempting, and that but that is that is the thing that um, causes us to not hear God's word, because we we begin to question whether or not it is true or right or what it really means or if God's really saying that. Did God really say don't don't eat the fruit of this tree? And and so. Like the garden, uh, our our own sin, our own selves sometimes even come comes along and says, "Do I really have to? How how devoted do I really have to be? How crazy am I going to get with this? How much of a follower? How much of my life am I really going to give over to God? Am I really going to follow His rules, His leading, His guide? What am I really going to do with that?" And I think one of the things that gets in the way, and it will always get in the way until we, until we consistently tell it no, is our flesh and the temptation to go against what God says. And so like the, we hear God's word and we hear and we go, oh, that's good. I want to do that. I want the good things. I want the blessings of God. And it brings us joy to know that God loves us and wants to bless us. But then temptation comes along and it, and we go, no, I think that this thing of the world that's immediate, that's now, that's pleasurable now, that's what I want. And so we we turn away, and so the, the fruit can't be produced in our hearts. And so like a shallow plant, the sun comes up and it withers, our plant dies. We don't produce fruit. It dies before it ever gets a chance. I think a, a, a second part of this, um, I, I was... I think is best explained by a, an author that I loved. I was just reading this book yesterday, uh, and I can't I can't recommend it enough. Um, it is definitely something I'm going to be blogging about uh, later this week. But there's a book by Mark Buchanan um, called "Your Church Is Too Safe," and just in the chapter yesterday, um, him he, he his writings bless me. Uh, it, I. If if you could have a discipler uh, through through books, um, he definitely is one of my mentors through through all the books that he's written, and so I cannot recommend um, 
reading his books enough. I I can't, I cannot shout it from the from the uh, the rooftops that I think everybody should read his books, but specifically, uh, your church is too safe. If you if you think if you care anything about church, if you care anything about the church you go to or what it should look like, read his book. But yesterday, uh, I was reading the chapter on belief versus conviction. And I think it illustrates very well what the the principle is here of shallow roots. And so uh, Mark talks about this time that he decides that he's going to go paragliding. And and paragliding um, is basically where he's at, um, is you run off a cliff uh, with a uh, <laughs> with a suit connected to you with an instructor, and and that suit holds you up, and you and you you fly or you float, you glide until you come to the ground. And uh, he talks about that idea that the the suit, the equipment, he has to carry it up to the top of the cliff. And so when it gets heavy, um, he has a choice. He can set it down. He can say, well, um, I do really like this equipment. I really, I really believe in this equipment, but it's, it's heavy. It's, it's, I'm struggling. I'm, I can't get it to the top. I'm tired. And so I'm just going to set it down. And, and he could, um, walk away from it. Then I'm going to set it down. I'm going to walk it away. Maybe I'm going to decide I don't want to paraglide today. So I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to drop it. I, I still believe that it's good. I still believe it's good equipment, but I, but I, um, but I just, it's too heavy right now. I don't want to carry it. I don't want to do this. Um, and then, but he says, but the difference between that, so that's belief. You can, you can set your beliefs down. Um, when they get tested, when they get too heavy, when they get hard, um, we have, we have that human capacity of saying, well, I do believe that, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't really have to, it, it's not what I, how I'm going to live. We, we, we believe things in our brains, and we can believe them to be true, but we can also um, believe them in such a way that we don't allow them to affect our life. Uh, and I think Jesus was very much when he talks about whether you believe him or whether you follow him, it's not whether you agree with some logical, theological constructions. That's uh, not whether you agree with a, 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 a theology uh, assent to it. Yeah, 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 I believe in that. That's fine. It's what you do with those. Do you live your life determined by that? And so so uh, Mark talks about getting to the top of the cliff and putting all the stuff on. And, and as he ran <laughs> towards the cliff, he gets lifted up. And he said, and at that point, that suit was no longer just a belief, but it was a, conv- it was a conviction. It was something he depended upon. He couldn't set it down. If he had tried, he couldn't gotten out of it. If he tried to get out of it, he would have fallen to his death. And so he said, that's, that's an example of the difference between just believing and, and then having conviction. And, and he uses the story of, uh, which I've talked about on the podcast before, but I, I still just love it. He uses the story of the disciples after the feeding of the 5,000 and John. When, the, the, when Jesus walks on the water um, and he's on the other side, all the people come to find him. And Jesus says, uh, he does this brilliant thing. It's not, it's not, it's probably not a strategy that you'll find in most uh, church growth um, books. Um, it's probably not a strategy that you'll find in a lot of marketing books, but it's a brilliant marketing tack because what he does is he says, hey, you, you're here because you saw the miracle of being fed. You, you, you ate and you're like, well, we like this guy. 
hey, he's able to take two two fish and five loaves and and he's he's turned it into a feast for all of us. So let's keep following him. And so, but Jesus says, but but you aren't thinking rightly. You aren't believing rightly. You won't. You you just here for the show. You're here for the food. Um, you're not here for the true work. And so he begins to give this hard teaching about um, having to eat the flesh and drink the blood of 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 Jesus in order to be truly his followers. And and he's obviously talking about um, something that that's going to happen in the future. It's foreshadowing. He's not saying be a cannibal, you know, those type of things. Um, but he is he is giving a hard teaching. And so the people who came because they liked the things that he said, they liked the food that he provided. They were like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. When he gave them this hard teaching, it says that most of them um, left. They, they went away, except for the 12. And Jesus turned to them and says, are you going to leave too? And Peter, uh, in all of his wisdom, um, and all of his his not understanding Jesus' teaching either, he he definitely um, was just as confused as all the other disciples who had walked away, the people who had been following him. But this is what he said. He said, where would we go? Jesus, you have the words of life. Where would we go? If Whatever it looks like, whatever you teach us, you have the words of life. Where would we go? And it was a conviction. And so it's not something that he could just sit down and be like, all right, I'm good. I'm done. Um, I, I, you are, you are the ones, you are the one with the word of life. I got to follow you. And, um, and, and that is conviction. And that is what, that is the opposite of a seed that's planted that the person receives with much joy, and then it, then when when the sun comes out and the heat comes on, they wither away because their roots aren't deep. That's that's the difference. If if you if you want to produce the fruit of the good tree that that Jesus talks about and the good soil that we'll end with at the end of this series, if you want to do that, then you have to move from just believing something to about Jesus to being convicted that Jesus Jesus word the word the the uh, the bible the things in that are true and that you can't just pick them up and set them down you can't just say oh, i believe they're true but not have it mean a difference to you not have it make a difference to your life i think i think the last thing that i or the last example i think about when I think about this is this idea in my, my personal experience, um, kind of the story of we received it with great joy, but then as the, the heat came on, we, we left it behind. And, and I think about, um, all my years of summer camp and, and growing up, uh, especially in high school every year I was at a summer camp and every year, uh, we would, we would have just the high, the, 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 the faith, um, the high of our walk with Jesus would be at summer camp because it's, that's, it's natural because you're spending, you get, you're anticipating before you go to summer camp, you're anticipating, oh, I'm going to go spend all day long thinking about talking about God. We're going to wake up in the morning. We're going to sing praise. We're going to, we're going to, 
we're going to play games, we're going to have Bible study, we're going to have free time, but we're all going to be just still thinking and talking about God, and then we're going to end the night talking about God, and, and there's going to be great worship, and there's going to be all of this stuff, there's going to be great teaching, I'm going to be challenged, and so there is this, uh, so you, you just have this spiritual high. And, and when you're at, when you, when you go through something like that, when you're at summer camp, then you say things like, oh man, I'm going to, I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to work up, I'm going to wake up every day. Every day I'm going to wake up at six in the morning and I'm going to read three chapters of God's word. And then I'm going to find eight people to tell yeah, each day. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to stay strong. Uh, I'm going to say no to all the temptations that are surrounding me. I'm going to do that. And yet, time and time again, once the spiritual high of being at camp wore off, those things disappeared um, because um, they were received with joy. But once the the reality of summer set in, oh, I'm going to sleep in. Uh, oh, I'm not going to really want to wake up. Oh, I... I, I mean, telling people about Jesus is good, but I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I can't do it. It's too hard. And so they got set aside. And then, and then <laughs> until next year, when you got with your friends again and you're at the camp and you're like, yeah, we're going to do it all. We're going to do everything. We're going to, we're going to make it all happen. And then, and then it would just go away because, because it wasn't a deep planted word in our hearts it was a it was good and I'm not saying uh, please don't hear me knock summer camp that's that's not what I'm saying I, I love summer camp and I think that uh, I mean um, I I accepted uh, my call to the ministry at summer camp so I am deeply indebted to summer camp but um, I also am highly aware that Part of part of the whole process of summer camp is creating that that environment where you uh, that you don't have um, that you you won't have that that's very hard to have kind of almost like the being a, a monk where you uh, in a monastery where you remove yourself from the things of this world you take yourself out so that you can experience these things and that's not what life is when you go back home. And so what, what seems so easy to accomplish, what seems so common sense to be able to do when you're somewhere else separated, surrounded by people with a common goal, with a common idea, this common vision, when you go back to the real world, it suddenly hits you that it's not easy. And as a young person, uh, and sometimes as an older person, even when it comes not easy, we have to decide, are we convicted that we know that God is going to do what he says he's going to do? Or are we going to just sit down and say, I'm, it, it can't be done. I'm not going to do this. And I think that, like, just to give you some examples you know, again, not to hate on summer camp, but just to give you some examples. Um, it's easy to say that God has plans for me when everything is going good. When everything is going good, everything is going, it feels like everything is just going your way. Things are turning out exactly like you want them to. It's easy to say, yeah, I love you. God's got those plans for me. He's got those blessings for me. But what do you say when tragedy hits? What do you say when you lose your job? 
What do you say when uh, cancer is the diagnosis? What do you say when a child turns away and says they don't believe in God? Do you still go, oh, yeah, God's got those plans for me. He's got good things. He's blessing me. Because that's, that's the difference between a faith that produces good fruit and fruit from a good soil and a faith that says, yeah, when things are, are good, I'm happy to hear. I'm happy to follow what God says. I'm happy to believe what God says. But when the hard times come, what do you say? Or, or for another example, it's easy to say that, oh, yeah, I trust God with my resources when we have money in the bank. But what do we say? Do we still say, oh, I trust God with my resources when it's a paycheck-to-paycheck situation, when sometimes you don't even know how you're going to get to the next week? Do you still go, oh, God, you're so good? You're my provider. You're the one that takes care of me. Do you still say, God, I, I, where else can I go? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Things are not working the way I think they should work. But God, you are the only ones with the, you have the only words of life. Where else can I go? I cannot set my beliefs down because they are my hard held convictions that you are the one that's guiding and directing and that you have good things for me and that you're a good God. Do you hold on to those things or do they slip away and do you wither? Does your faith wither like a plant that has roots put in shallow ground? I wish I could say that um, I was always fully committed and, and that my faith didn't have its doubt, doubting times and dark times and, and, and times when, when I just don't understand. And I wish that, that I could say, but, but I'm, but, so I wish I could say that, but I'm also, um, I'm also comforted by the fact that on the night that Jesus was captured, taken, arrested. Peter, you remember Peter, the guy who said, Jesus, where are we going to go? You're the ones that have the word of life. He had a moment where he denied everything. I don't know that man. And God didn't say, well, Peter, you, you should have been better. You missed out. I'm taking away my blessing. I'm not. And now God's, God... Jesus came to him and said, you, you're the one, go feed my sheep. And Peter could have said, but, but Jesus, do you know what I did? He says, go feed my sheep. So regardless of what you've done with your past, regardless of how, whether or not your heart has been good soil or shallow soil, whether you've planted the word of God and it's grown and produced fruit over and over again, or whether you've seen it, um, whether you've hardened your heart and you've got to open your heart up again, or whether you've got, you've, you've got a shallow depth and you know that, that just one, one bad day could knock you off of that. If you want to produce, if you want to hear from God and produce the fruit of God, we have to tend our hearts. We have to make our hearts 
ready to receive his soil and to, to allow his word to dig deep into our souls, to become convictions and not just beliefs that if they get hard, we can sit down and say, no, thank you. I don't want these anymore. And so that's the challenge this week is to, to pray to God, to seek God and to say, God, where is it that I need to, to, to move from belief to conviction? Where is it that I need to plant seeds that will grow deep roots that won't be withered when the sun comes out, when the trouble comes, when the, the bad news hits? How do I do that? God, show me. And as you do that, as you commit to that, I really, I, I believe God will. God will show you. He may even bring difficult times in your life to help you see, to give you an opportunity to practice resting and trusting in him. But if he does, or if he doesn't, if he just shows you, our, our, if you want to be that type of person that really produces the fruit, cling to him. Dig deep. Prepare that soil. Prepare your heart so that you can. 